0: My name's Grady Summers, here with the FireEye Ion Security Podcast. Really looking forward to the mini series of podcasts we're going to be doing, which is the people behind FAS, people behind FireEye as a Service. And today we're talking to Nicole Oppenheim, who is the manager of advanced practices for FireEye as a Service. So uh, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. So can you tell us just maybe first a little bit about your job? You're running the advanced practices group within FAS. What does that mean?
1: Sure. My job really primarily is to look at our analytical strategy within FAS and figure out what's the best way forward to find evil. So that's between finding the right detection techniques, um, hunting techniques, and how we respond after we find evil. And looking at how we have it in our product suite and what's the best way to go forward.
0: So I guess for someone who's not really familiar with FireEyes as a service, Obviously, we've got products, you know, FireEye products, that are part of that, that are triggering on things or generating alerts. We have our intelligence that generates alerts, but it sounds like your your team is really above that. Kind of, if it's not triggering an alert, what do we do beyond that?
1: Yeah, we look at the attacker lifecycle as a whole. We try to figure out where our different detections lie within our products and how we can collect evidence using those different products. And then we want to make sure that we cover the different attack lifecycle stages to ensure that we have the maximized coverage for our customers.
0: How did you initially get interested in cybersecurity?
1: Uh, I was working for the government. Uh, I was a high school work study at NSA. Huh. I, um, I, I, when I got in, I knew that I wanted to catch bad guys, and I liked computers. Yeah. I didn't think as much of how to put them together. Uh, I wanted to join the FBI and I wanted Hmm. to like look through real crimes, but I wanted to use computers that led me into, I still needed to get my degree. Uh, and so I talked to FBI guys once and said, well, once you get your degree, come back internal to NSA, a lot of the leaders there said, Hey, you know, while you're getting your degree, why don't you come over and work in our, uh, threat operations center? Hmm. And, uh, I was put in a sock And we were tracking down what is now uh, advanced persistent threats. And uh, that's how I got into it. And I just, I had a knack for it. I liked bad guys. I liked tracking down what happened. And I love network analysis.
0: So you were working for the NSA from like high school all the way through? Yeah, I started
1: at 16 years old. Gosh.
0: What background did you have to do that?
1: Um, Both of my parents worked there for a long time. And so they have a high school, within Maryland, they have a high school work study program to where if you're in driving distance, you can... uh, you can apply, That's and then awesome. they'll just wow. they'll throw you into an office. I happened to just get lucky to be in the office that morphed into um, doing cyber threats.
0: Wow, very interesting. So, from there, um, how did you how did you find your way to the FAS team?
1: I, um, you know, I working with a lot of different law enforcement agencies after we were tracking down different um, intrusions into military installations. I, it led to multiple people that went to Mandian. Uh. And so by asking like different updates and working with them and seeing where they were, it kind of pulled me in to say, you know, as much as I'm doing this with the government, there were a lot of challenges. And so seeing where the threats were going and they were going a lot more external and that all these external entities also needed help that the government wasn't going to be able to provide. It really led me to kind of the next stage of, you know, I really want to go... And help out these companies. And so I went Mm. to Mandiant. um, I worked as a network analyst for them. That morphed into our managed service provider, which is now, you know, under FireEye's FAS.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So you obviously see some of the the most interesting things across our FireEye clients. Um, Can you share just some interesting findings? What have you guys been coming across lately?
1: Sure. I think one of the biggest trends that we've been seeing is um, using legitimate services for C2 or also the increased uh, use of SSL-enabled backdoors. And so the combination of SSL-enabled sites to legitimate infrastructure, Mm. um, such as Microsoft or GitHub or Dropbox, these type of services, attackers using those, it presents a unique challenge for us. And so um, we've we've worked multiple different intrusions over the past couple months that involved backdoors calling out to these different sites huh. to get C2 locations.
0: What, I mean, for those who aren't as familiar with those, uh, with that type of malware, like what makes it so much more difficult?
1: Um, the difficulty goes into, you know, there's multiple ways you can detect. You can do it string-based, which would be something based off what the malware does, um, or infrastructure-based to say, hey, we've seen this infrastructure before. What makes these really unique and challenging to discover is the idea that, you know, normally you would just rule out, oh, it's going to Microsoft or it's going to Google, um, these big service providers. And so the infrastructure itself can't be used as a key off because there's so much legitimate traffic going to it. Mm -hmm. On top of that, it's going to the SSL enabled version. And so having legitimate certs to a Microsoft, so you have a Microsoft signed or a signed Microsoft cert going to yeah. Microsoft infrastructure, it's very hard because you can't see the underlying traffic to say, hey, is this a C2 protocol or is this legitimate traffic?
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's so amazing. Uh, that's kind of one part of an evolution that we've seen just in the way attackers work. I thought it was really evident in the Hammer Toss report we did last year where I mean, you just described the C2 being hosted on sort of legitimate architecture. In that case, it's sort of like the initial C2 is on Twitter. The payload is being exfilled out to, you know, commercial like file sharing sites. So like every phase of it, I think back to like the old APT1 report from years ago, whereas they were like servers in their building that they were maintaining, you know, and how much it's changed now. To where every piece of it is.
1: Yeah, like, you know, it's interesting to watch the evolution since I've been looking at APT actors, and you're right, like, in an old APT1 case, like, oh, give me a self-signed cert to, like, know yeah. that infrastructure, and, yeah. like, we can catch them. Now, you know, having these groups that are, and like you mentioned in the APT29, it, not, only, not only going to one legitimate site, but yeah. using it for multi-stage of their intrusion
0: yeah. is even
1: harder, because yeah. in legitimate, when you look at the world in, like, legitimate user traffic, the ones that blend in a lot more is the ones that are harder to confirm that our yeah. attackers are a user.
0: Yeah, and you can't block those sites in most cases, yep. and well, it really changes the game. So what are some things then you can do to detect those types of – if they're all using legitimate infrastructure?
1: Um, sure. We – you know, the way, again, kind of going back to looking at the advanced practices as a whole – not just relying on one thing to detect it, Mm -hmm. looking through what we can do for detections or then anomalies or statistical machine learning, what evidence we can pull off a box and then process. How do we use it holistically together and not using it individually? So not just relying on a snort rule or detection or one particular IOC, but how can we use it all together together and come up with unique ways to say, first, I'm going to pull this data, find suspicious events. Then I'm going to post-process in this way. That's kind of where we've been really focusing our efforts on of trying to see the whole picture and and how can we use it all together to benefit us yeah. in the long run.
0: So what does your team do when they're not actively hunting for evil with some of these advanced techniques? What's the kind of uh, day-to-day, day-in-the-life of your team?
1: Day-in-the-life of my team is kind of looking... In the future. It's kind of trying to take a look at saying, we have to make a lot of the scale. Um, one of the things that we oversee is how we hunt in FAS. And it's been interesting to do it as a service. Because when you think of hunting, yeah. you have to think of, you know, wow, it's a very specialized. You pull a ton of data back. You take an expert and their intuition and experience, and that's how we hunt. And that is how we hunt. But to do it at scale and to do it yeah. for 200 organizations – or, you know, and figure out the right ways to do, we have to kind of come up with a strategy or a way we look at hunting. And so what we kind of spend our time on is kind of looking towards how do we improve it? How -hmm. do we do it as a service? How do we look at some really unique and very hard, unscalable problems and try to make them scalable for our service? And so we spend a lot of time, you know, just building out structure and, you know, how we're going to view analytics how we put it together to put it into a service and how you can execute it between multiple global socks.
0: Yeah. It seems like your team looking at the advanced, um, the advanced techniques and figuring out how to scale it. I just think you guys are very um, emblematic of why we always say a good security is not just about a product. It's about like the right people, the right intelligence, the right technology all together. And I mean, I know it's like almost tried to say it right, but it's, when you hear you talk about what you guys do, it just, it's such a reminder you can't just drop a product into place necessarily and get the same level of protection as you can if you've got a team of, of people, experts hunting every day.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And, we, you know, making sure that everybody understands the latest techniques, that we've documented the things in the right way, that we're applying our knowledge um, across all our different customers as fast as we get it and into each of our analyst hands. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen it in a couple different places, you know, analyst if there's not a lot of good documentation, there's not a lot of good structure, there's not a good a lot of internal learning and information sharing, each analyst is learning for themselves. Yeah. I mean. And so instead of having all of our analysts individually learn, and by just experiencing hard problems in their day-to-day job, we want to make sure we're focusing in on bringing all of those things together, having our analysts understand the products, understanding what each other are going through, how to solve problems.
0: Yeah. So if you could give, given everything you've seen, if you could give like one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice to someone who's trying to defend their enterprise network, like what would you tell them? What, what do you think the biggest gaps are?
1: I would say a lot of people just rush into it yeah. and that they just start doing things that seem right. Oh, I was told that I need detection for this. Let's just quickly put in a bunch of rules. I think taking your time and understanding what your end goal is and the purpose of why you're doing security and how it all connects together is probably where I'd start. What mm-hmm. I've noticed, um, multiple people taking detection, for example, oh, quickly, let's write rules. We wanna write our own rules. Yeah. Well, what type of rules do you wanna write? What type of things do you wanna detect? How are you gonna manage the intelligence behind why you put in a rule? So when you increase more analysts looking at it, they know what it means. How are you gonna prioritize your alerts? Yeah. And then how do you use detection and alerting with hunting? And then how how do you know what your analyst should hunt through, and how three analysts are they hunting through the same stuff, and you're duplicating work? Yeah. Right. So putting the structure in place to be able to, you know, make sure that everybody's coordinating, having the right work, organizing your thoughts and your analytical ideas, and having a holistic picture of what your operation is doing yeah. is 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 the key to making sure that it's long-term successful.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really great point. What about tactical things? What do, you, what do you see that you're like, oh, this is so stupid. Like, not enough companies are doing X.
1: I think, hmm, let's see. I think... Put you on the spot. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I think not enough companies are applying the right sets of data. I yeah. think they're just relying on, hey, I just got this feed. I'm just going to plug it in and I'm just going to let it take over.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, I think tactically... Understanding what you're taking in and how to process it yeah, um, and what it means to you.
0: I think that's, we see that a lot, I think, just across a uh, consulting business, too, where organizations, they've, they've bought a threat feed or something. Yep. And then after they're like, okay, now what do I do with it? Well, do I try to shove that into my SIM or do I have a data lake I want to apply it to? That's only the first step. And then it's like, what do you do with what you get out of that now? Is that immediately actionable? Is it just a toehold for hunting? Like,
1: did I just check a box because I was told to have a threat feed? Um, So I think for me that would probably be like step one, like very tactical, like understanding what you're taking in and what you're going to do with it.
0: Yeah, great advice. Uh, So I guess last question, what do you love most about your job at FireEye?
1: What I love most is being able to apply what I've learned over all the different years to a service to be able to do it globally for multiple different companies. Yeah. Um I really love the idea I mean, I love evil. I like knowing what's going on. I like to watch attackers over all the years uh, evolve. Yeah. Um I like being on the other side of the fence feeling like I'm actually fighting them. Yeah. Like I I, you know, one day I wanna be able to look back and like see their face as I was doing yeah. something <laughs> on the other end, right? Because it's a game of where there's actually someone on the other end. Yeah. Um, and so what I love is being able to come in and do that every day. And for a yeah. company that we see so many intrusions, and in, I can actually have an active role in helping prevent and being in this fight.
0: Yeah, it's, it's true. It's one of the few jobs where you like, you, you go head to head with someone every day where you're not carrying a gun, right? Yeah like outside of law enforcement, it's, it's like, a, like a chess match, but like also hand-to- hand combat. Like
1: how much have I done that I've discovered? has like th- like really stopped someone in their tracks on the other end yeah. like they were they had a mission to complete and they couldn't because I was on the other end yeah that's that's awesome. really, yeah that's really what keeps cool. me coming
0: yeah yeah I can tell you like that part of it well great Nicole thanks so much uh, for your time today it's really good talking to you yeah
1: thank you so much